The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. We've been looking at this whole series about fearing God. What does it mean to fear God? And how does the fear of the Lord help us and encourage us and strengthen us? We've seen in a some underst- and given some understanding that to fear God is to have an awesome respect of Him. To have an understanding of Him that when we see Him, there is wow. Actually, it's not so much a wow, it's more of a... <gasps> because there is an awe about it. Fearing God is about having a reverent awe of God. And we've seen that fearing God, actually how can we grow in the fear of God? Well, we've seen that actually fearing God is the beginning of wisdom and understanding itself. So that actually as we start to understand God, as we start to gaze upon Him, as we start to investigate who God is, so we start to grow in the fear of the Lord. So we've seen these things, and even as we also saw last week, that as we see God, as we look upon Him, we see that He is a holy God. What does it mean that God is holy? It means that He hates sin. He is separated from it, because to be holy is to be cut away from. So when we are coming to God, we are cutting away from all of that rubbish and that dross that comes into our lives that separates us from him. We want to be cut away from that. We want to be given over to God because God is holy. He is completely separated from those things. In the first week when we were looking at these things, we actually went through a few lists of some things, of things that people are afraid of. Fear of crime being one thing. Fear of terrorism being another thing. Fear of spiders. I don't know if we mentioned that, but that's another thing. There are things that we are afraid of in our lives. And I was just reflecting back on that this week, and I thought to myself, what is, what is my, what is our greatest fear? Is it death? Is it Satan? Is it afraid of humiliation, being made to look small? Is it the fear of getting something wrong? Again, there's an element of humiliation. I don't want to be humiliated in any circumstances. And I thought to myself, you know, actually, some of these are the greatest fears. Now, I'm not saying we don't have a fear of terrorism, but actually what we're talking about there, ultimately, is fearing death. What what if I get caught in a terrorist attack and I die? We're fearing the ultimate, what is death? And we hate this idea of humiliation in any sense, I do not want to be belittled before anybody, whether it's because they suddenly seem to know more. Well, I didn't know what that word meant. I felt stupid. I don't know how to fix that. I feel stupid. I feel small. I feel like I'm worthless. Those things, there is a fear of that. I recognize there's a fear of those things in my life too. We don't want to be made to look small before others. It's not that we want to be the know-it-all, but it's just that we don't want to look stupid. And you know, when you do look stupid, oh, I, you don't even want to think about it, those times when that's happened. But you know, when it comes to the Bible, the Bible tells us actually what we should be afraid of. 
We're going to put up a verse here which we're going to read. Luke 12, verses 4 and 5. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. It's talking about ISIS. It's talking about any terrorist organization. It's telling us not to be afraid of them. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So what we find in the Bible, when we've been looking at this subject of fearing God, in the Bible we're told who we should be afraid of. And the Bible tells us, listen, don't be afraid of those who can kill your body. Be afraid of him who has power not only over death, but after what happens after you die. Who has the power to throw you into hell. Be afraid of him. And who we're talking about is God himself. So the Bible is talking to us about we should be afraid of God. The Bible here is talking about the fact that there is life after death. It's not only the here and now. Because otherwise, if it was only the here and now, who should we be afraid of? Anybody who could bring an end to that life. But you see, God is saying, listen, this isn't all that it is. I know that we're so concerned about our 70 years, our 80 years, and our bucket list. Have we managed to accomplish all of those things? Did we go and see that person or that place? Have we been in and done this? Have we eaten that or drunk that? Have we accomplished everything that we thought we could accomplish? We're so concerned about getting those things done, but that's talking about the here and the now, this life. But there is life beyond that. We are actually spirits who are in a physical body. And we know the physical body is decaying. Do you know the physical body is decaying? Yeah, I know it. If I do some gardening and you get digging in the ground, then, oh my goodness, suddenly you start to feel the stiffness that certainly I didn't feel when I was much younger. We know that there's something going wrong with the physical body, but God is telling us, listen, life is not only for the here and now, there is a life after death. And he is the one who has the power to dictate where we go after we die. That is why he is saying we need to be afraid of him. This morning we want to look very briefly, and it will be briefly, at six things Christians believe. Because today we're talking about the fear of the Lord and about the day of the Lord. The fear of God and the day of the Lord. And to get to that place, I want to look at six things that we as Christians believe. I've already started speaking about one, number one, life after death. Life after death. We've already seen in this that the Bible is declaring to us, look, it's not just being afraid of, of dying because there's more to life after that. So we know that there is life after death. And as Christians, we believe in that. Luke 12 verse 15 says, then um, Jesus talking to his disciples, he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And further on in that passage of Luke 12, verse 23, life is more than food, body is more than clothes. And in Hebrews 9, verse 27, it says this, man is destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. 
There's more to life than just going to work. There's more to life than doing your hobbies. There's more to life than your favorite pop star or pop band. There's more to life in what you eat. There's more to life in worrying about what you're dressed in. There's more to life in rushing to the sales. There's more to life than those things. Jesus came into the world to say, I have come to give you life and life in all of its fullness. This doesn't mean to say that you can't enjoy a round of golf or you can't enjoy listening to some things or watching some programs or enjoying some food or having a restaurant meal and enjoying relationships, but that is not life itself. There is more to life than those things. There is a life here and there is a life after when we die because our spirit is still alive. When the body dies, the spirit is still alive. And that spirit is going to encounter God who is spirit. One of the things that we wrestle with very much here is in the physical realm. We understand physical things. Things that we can knock and touch and feel and smell. This physical world. But that isn't the reality. The reality is the spiritual world as well. Now, we sort of like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We give assent to that in the West. If you come from African nations, if you come from many nations outside of the Western Hemisphere, they have a firm belief in the spiritual realm. And they understand that. In actual fact, where there's witchcraft practiced, which of course there is in England, but of course we don't believe that, but when there's witchcraft, oh no, in Africa, witchcraft. But they have an understanding of what it means to bring sacrifices they have an understanding of what it means to, to give offerings. And they know that there is power in the spiritual realm. But in the West, we, we sort of deny that. Oh, we've got medicines and stuff that can get us sorted out. We don't need to go to a witch doctor or anything like that. We don't need to delve into the spiritual realm. But of course, in church, we do all the time because we're praying to God who is spirit. But we don't think of it like that. But there is a spiritual realm and we are spiritual people. We were built to have relationship with the Spirit God. There is life for us, not only in the physical realm, but spirits living in the body in the physical realm, but we go on and live after the body dies. There is life after death. As Christians, we believe in life after death. Point two, as Christians, we believe in sin. The problem of this world, of living in this world, is man's sin. What is sin? Sin is breaking God's law. Sin is transgressing. That is, if God has said, this is the line, and I don't want you to cross over that line, what is sin? It's going straight over the line. It's transgressing over the line. It's missing the mark. That's the point I want you to get to. That's how I want you to live. Oh, we failed. We miss the mark. We go over the line. Sin is breaking God's law. Sin is a deviation going away from, moving off track from God's will. That is what sin is. It's a form of evil doing since it is opposition to what God has said, this is the way I want you to live. It's a deviation from what God has required of us. It's not merely a deficiency. Oh, I'm sorry, I slipped up. Okay, <laughs> it is rebellion. It's not doing what God has asked us to do. It is a disobedience to what God has declared as right. This is what sin is. 
We belittle sin. We put sin down. Why? Because we sin so often. We want to find a way of getting around it. So we put it down. But when we actually start to ask the question, what is sin? Sin is rebellion against what God has said. And, well, God always says things I don't want to do. No, God tells us the best way to live life. If you want to live life and to get the maximum out of life, if you want to know freedom in this life, if you want to be released in this life, then you need to live God's way because he is life. Jesus came to bring life. In him was life, is what it says. So when Jesus came, he's actually bringing that life to us. And that life can release us from sin. Listen, sin can only be properly understood in relationship to God, since God is the Holy One and all sin is unholy. When you come close to God and you realize what he is like and what he is saying, that is holiness. God is completely and utterly correct, just, true. Every, we can trust in him absolutely. He is the, the marker from which everything else is marked. He is the holy one. And sin is unholy. Sin is ungodly. Sin is not doing what God requires of us. Sin, God has revealed his moral character in the law, in the law. So he's saying, if you like, this is the right way to live. And that's why he gives us his laws and his commands. And when we break them, then we are violating what his standard is. Because God says, if you don't lie, he says, don't lie. So if we do lie, we have broken his law and we have sinned. And the law is a reflection of the character of God. It is wrong to lie because God cannot lie. It is wrong to steal because God cannot steal. Do you understand that? It's wrong for us to lie because it's imp God is impossible for him to lie. So when we lie, we are doing something directly against who he is. The same with stealing, the law, and all many different things. Because God is holy. And all of his laws, all of his decrees, all of his commands are based on holiness. James, in his letter, says this, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Life after death, we believe in. Sin, we believe in. As Christians, we also believe in the results of sin. It's not just do we believe in sin. Oh, there is sin, and we understand that sin is not doing what God wants. As Christians, we believe that there is a result to sin. And the Bible says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We see in the story of Adam and Eve where Satan said to Eve, you will not die if you ate the fruit of the tree. He said, you won't die. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. God knows that your eyes will be open when you eat that fruit. But then the God asked the woman, after she had eaten, what have you done? What have you done? You know, having eaten the fruit, Eve took the fruit and ate it, and then it says that she gave some to her husband, 
and he ate it. And then they realized they were naked. And they started to cover themselves. And later on that evening, God came into the garden and was looking for them, was calling for them. Adam, Eve, where are you? Where are you? Now, I know it's silly because God obviously did know where they were, but he was just, where are Where? I want relationship with you. Where have you gone? You're hiding. And they were hiding. And they came out and they started talking with God. And that's when God says to Eve, he says, what have you done? What have you done? And Eve says this, the serpent deceived me. In other words, I've done what you didn't want me to do and now I realize that I should never have done that. The serpent deceived me. You know what? We have all been deceived by that serpent because Satan has told us things. It's okay to do this. God doesn't really mean that. I know he said that, but look, he understands you're just human. And so therefore we go ahead and we do the things that we feel are right. We no longer want to listen to what God wants. Why should I do that? Everybody else is doing this. Why can't I join them? Because God is saying, I don't want you to do that. And we know the truth that he's speaking to us. But as soon as we know the truth and yet we don't go and do it, that is falling into sin. There are results of sin. The wages of sin is death. Adam and Eve, they took the fruit. They didn't die. That's the issue. You see, they didn't die physically. But they did die spiritually because the relationship was disconnected. And the same thing for us, we think, like, well, we haven't died. We're okay, we're still surviving. I'm still living, I'm here on earth. I've still got tomorrow. I've still got all this to carry on with. But we've died spiritually. When we sin, we're separating ourselves from God. We have been deceived just as Eve was deceived. There is a result of sin. Fourthly, let's move on very quickly. We believe in judgment. Because there is a wage to sin, because there is a cost to sin, in all fairness, God has to judge sin. Jesus said to his disciples, the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they have done. What we have done. The things that we do are recorded in heaven. They're written in a book. Romans 2, verses 5 to 8 says this. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead 
live lives of wickedness. You see, as Christians, we believe that there is a coming judgment. Now, as Christians, I don't really have much time to say this, but I want to just come aside a second. As Christians, this is a classic problem of us, okay, we understand that, but we're Christians and we're believing in Jesus that we may overcome that judgment, which of course is true, which is why Jesus came. But listen, as Christians, we need to really believe in judgment because it's the reason that why we want to see others saved. There is a motivation that should rest with us, not just the putting to one side, Phew, I got away from that because I trusted in Jesus. I can forget all about that now because we then get this sort of ticket to heaven mentality. All right, I've got my ticket. So the whole issue of judgment I can forget about. Judgment needs to be remembered by all of us all the time. Because the wages of sin is death. And that means for every single person, because the Bible goes on to say, for all have sinned. Who? For all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. For all have sinned. Therefore, all are going to come under judgment. And what's judgment like? It's the wrath of God that is coming. Because God is going to say this, I said that there was a way that you should walk in. I said that there were rules that you should abide by. I said that there was a way for life to be conducted. And if you follow that way, then life will be full and enjoyable and complete. That is the best way for not only individuals, but a community of individuals, a society, a nation to live by if you follow my rules. But if you do not follow my rules, there will be a judgment from that. As Christians, we believe in judgment. Matthew 25 says this, when the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance and the kingdom prepared for you since the king creation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. As Christians, and I know we don't want to talk about this because it feels weighty and heavy, but really this should, it's just sobering. We need to understand the seriousness of sin. And because of sin, there is judgment. And we as Christians believe in judgment. Point five is this. We believe, therefore, in the day of the Lord. This is where I wanted to get to. What is the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is when this judgment will take place. And you know what the Bible talks about that day? It talks about that day in, in awful and terrible terms. In Joel it says this, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. And let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. 
And it's trying to announce to everybody to say, listen, remember this day. The day of the Lord is coming. What is this day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is when God will say, enough is enough. I'm bringing judgment against sin. That is what the day of the Lord is. It is described in Revelation. Listen to this. It is describing that day. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Heaven and earth fled from his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the dead and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person, each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the story that people don't want to talk about. Because it is awesome. It is fearful. But you see, where did we come into this? When we're talking about the fear of God, we came in right at the beginning with that scripture which told us, listen, I'll tell you who you need to fear. Don't fear him who can take your life in this life, who can cause you to die in this life. Fear him who has power over you in the next life, who has the power to throw you into hell. That's who you should fear. But folks, I'm not going to stop here. My sixth point is this. It is Christians believe in salvation. Because this God who has said and clearly declares that there is a judgment to come. The day of the Lord is yet to come. That day is still on the horizon. It is approaching and it is far closer than it was last Sunday. It is another week nearer. That day is coming. But because that day is coming and because Jesus loves every person that he has ever created... He said, God sent his one and only son to the earth so that he could be a sacrifice for the sin of all mankind. The blood of Jesus is powerful to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from every act of unrighteousness that has ever been done upon the earth. God sent his son to be the saviour of the world. I love what I read in Psalm 68, verse 20. It says this, Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Can you hear that? Our God is a God who saves. From him comes the ability to escape from death. For us here this morning, if you've been terrified by the thought 
That, oh my goodness, the day of the Lord is coming. Oh my goodness, wrath is coming. Oh my goodness, judgment is coming. Because I know that I have done wrong. If you're afraid of that, then hear this. Our God wants to save you from death. The reason he, wants to, the reason he sent his son Jesus is to take hold of your life and to say, enough of that stuff. You can't walk in those ways anymore. It's not good enough to have a halfway house. I've got one foot in the church, but I'm living back with the rest of my life in the world. I do this on a Sunday, but wow, I'm enjoying this on a Monday or a Tuesday. And I'm caught between the two. You shouldn't be caught between the two. Because God has said, I've saved you for purpose. And I've rescued you to be mine. God who loves us has given his son for us. How can I be free from sin? By trusting, by trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And well, how do I get my head around that? What do I got to do? How have I got to pray? What have I got to say? Listen, in simplicity, you have to do one thing. Jesus, I give my life to you. Will you please lead me? in the way that I need to go. I'm sorry for my sin. We have to be sorry. If you do not recognize that you have done wrong, you have a problem. We can only repent when we know, I should never have done that. Yeah, guys, do come back. If we don't know that we've done wrong, how can we say sorry? The grace of God is when he comes to us and starts to say, hey, listen, look at that. That's not right. I need you to change from that. I need you to adjust that. The grace of God comes upon us when we realize, my goodness, how much a blessing has he given me to be saved? But what about my family members who don't know Jesus? They are lost. Everybody who does not know the salvation of God is lost, which is why we as a church need to rise up to tell them the good news. The good news is this, is that Jesus saves. Jesus rescues. Jesus redeems. Jesus cleanses. Jesus enables us to have had a history, but to be forgiven of that history, to live for a future. Jesus brings transformation. Jesus takes away fear. Jesus breaks the power of sin. Jesus breaks the power of our desires, our lusts. He breaks the power of them. He gives us the ability to overcome. He enables us to stand. What are you facing in your life? Are there fears that have gripped you? Is the fear of death gripping you? Is the fear of embarrassment gripping you? Is the fear of failure gripping you? Jesus came to set you free, to give you life beyond that, to enable you to live, to enable you to live wholly, to enable you to live fully. Listen, this is not just, oh, it's a nice place to go to church. This is the place where lives get transformed. This is the place where we come and we bow before the Almighty One, the only one who can really help us. We need to be a broken people in this house because we are all sinners. If anybody doesn't think they've sinned, you're in the wrong house because you're too full of pride to know. We come here because we recognize we have needs. We recognize that we are failing people. We recognize that we need the blood of Jesus to set us free from all of our sins. And listen, I, I know I've gone over, but 
Listen to this one more verse because it will encourage you. In Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, it says this, but because Jesus lives forever, but because Jesus lives forever and that he has a permanent priesthood, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. When it's talking about completely, it means absolutely, utterly, totally. You feel that you're, you are the one who is too far from God. You're wrong. He is able to save completely anybody who comes to him. The issue isn't about God's ability. The issue now is about will we come to him? Will we come? And Jesus says this. Come, the door stands open wide. It stands open wide. Will you come? What holds you back? What are you resisting? As a Christian or as somebody who's never given their life to Jesus, the issue is what is holding you back? Because this is eternal life. This is dealing with what could come, what will come, judgment day, What will come, it's dealing with those issues here today and knowing for certain that you are going to go to be in heaven with Jesus Christ. For Christians, it's the case of how are we living? Are we living a foot in both camps? Are we living here? Are we living there? Are we living in confusion? Or are we living in the completeness? Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you because you're the only one who can lead me. You're the only one who can help me. Father, we just surrender this time to you. We ask, Sovereign Lord, that you would do your work in this place. The Father, that you would come and meet with us and that you'd change our lives. Lord, we are wanting more and more to be in the place where we truly understand what it is to fear you. Not only to be an awesome respect of you, Lord, but to have a genuine understanding that you are the God who will judge the nations. Father, bring that fear into our hearts so that we may live right before you, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're just going to sing one last song. And after this song, Helen's going to close the service. But I just want to say right now, if you have been touched by anything that's happened this morning, that you want to do business with God, you want to have somebody to stand alongside you, to pray through an issue, then don't leave it. Come down the front afterwards and there'll be people here who can pray with you and stand with you or talk you through about what it is to be a Christian, help you with more conversation. But I just want to say to you, don't just leave it. Don't walk away because God has these moments when he wants to interact with our lives and to draw us closer to him. Thank you.